We're continuing Parashat Mishpatim, the laws that Moshe Rabbeinu is telling Bnei Israel, probably at the foot of the mountain. The, I was reading Rashi yesterday. I was, I was doing, I was, I was learning the Parashat a little bit with Rashi. If it, it's such a different experience. If you want to really experience how detailed an analysis the Gemara does, how much the Midrashim, the Midrashe Halakha, they pick apart these psukim in order to derive halachot from them and different halachot. You could look at Rashi. It's like a, it's a very, very difficult Rashi's. Ocean. It's an ocean. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish, I wish Daniel was here so he could, uh, <laughs> so he could show us some of the Rashi's along the way. But it's a, it's a very different experience because it'll give you a real experience of what it's like to learn a Gemara. You open those Rashi's and it's just like, uh, you know, every single letter is accounted for in the Midrashah Halacha, and every single letter is used. To learn a halacha from. For example, here's a, a nice example. What is we, we the last thing we left off on is that the master he pegs the slave's ear in front of the judges. Yes. Now let's say I'm a master and I want to come to do it. All of a sudden I don't know which ear do I peg? Is it the right ear or the left ear? So what does Rashi say? Rashi says it's the right ear. How do you know? Because here the, the word says, Adonav et And then by the, I think it's by the sons of Aaron, it says, and you will anoint et ozen haimanit, his right ear. So if in the, in the practice in Sefer Vayikra, it's the right ear, so and it says the word ozen, then so here it's also the right ear. So the Chachamim is it's the right ear from that. That's a typical Gemara, uh, a little, just a little... Uh, Little tiny thing, but um, very very typical. Okay, pasuk seven. kor ish et ama Now we just spoke of the male, the male slave, right? The male servant. Yeah. Now the only way for a woman to be sold, a female woman to be sold, is if she's sold in her youth. Yes. Okay. So that's why the only example we Up have. To Twelve and a half. It has to be. No, it has to be it, the second she becomes twelve and a half, she goes free. Oh, she becomes free. Yeah. So the rule well, it has with to women be before twelve. It and has half. to be before. So that's why in the the, tip, the example of, for the male servant, it's that's what any any Hebrew slave he goes free after after the sixth year, meaning in the seventh year. Now, for a female maid servant, it can she cannot be sold if she's older. So it must be a case where she's younger. They do that because they want to marry her with a. With and they typically do that with the intent that she's and she's going to end up marrying. A family that is wealthy. Is right. She marries the master. Yes. It's not being done that she becomes like a servant. Yes. So now, with those in mind, we could understand the psukim. If a person sells his daughter as a maidservant because he doesn't have the funds to support her, so he sells her into servitude for her own sake. She doesn't leave the same way other servants go. Meaning not, not that she doesn't get to go in the seventh year. The opposite. Meaning she has more reasons why she's allowed to go. She leaves even more sooner. If the master who bought her does not like her, then he has to let her be redeemed. And he has to pay. Now, I don't know if he's the one who's paying. According to uh, uh, you, could, you could check Rashi for who's the one thing. It's she. He has to let her be redeemed by any redeemer, right? But 
But because he's caused, he's basically, basically when he bought her, he had to, he had to accept that he was going to marry her, sure. right? So by buying her and then not um, consuming, and then not consummating the marriage, he's essentially rebelling or doing the wrong thing. So because he has dealt treacherously with her, bevigdova, then he's not, he's not allowed to just hold on to her. Either she, he has to let her be redeemed, or he has to sell her. Uh, yeah, sorry. Or, but he, he either has to let her be redeemed, and he cannot sell her into servitude outside of right. Israel. Now, what is the Torah talking about here? What uh, common practice is the Torah attacking here? So I read in the note down here, this is really nice. The abominable practice against which this law is directed was not confined to Hebrew masters or to ancient times. Thus, William of Mal- Malmesbury, uh, some British guy, I guess, because mm-hmm. the author here is British. Yes, I know. Speaking of the days before the Norman conquest, complains of the horrible custom of Saxon masters, who after associating with the maid servants on their estates, sold them to a life of shame or into foreign slavery. That was typical behavior even in the 19th century. person takes the maid servant from his estate, he fools around, and then he... Sells her to Dubai. some to Morocco. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. So definitely, she's gonna become a unfortunately. And then they become a servant or a slave uh, in the, in the uh, middle uh, of the thing, worse, but they become worse. worse. Yeah, yes, they, it yes, becomes like a sex trafficking yes, to an extent. Yes. Okay. Oh, and now, uh, and if he wants to, instead of marrying her himself, designate her to marry his son, then he cannot. He has to treat her like. A wife, meaning he has to treat her as a proper woman in Israel. So what does that entail? What, what are the laws that he must treat her with? Let's say the son were to have another wife or take another wife. That does not mean He cannot take away her rights as a, as a Jewish yes. woman. And what are the rights of a Jewish woman? You have clothing, food, and... Uh, and, and yeah, but the, the three that are halakhic are clothing, food, and conjugal rights. Okay, so every woman in Israel has the right to being being taken care of in terms of her food, her uh, clothing, and that the husband must be with her uh, conjugally. Okay, so this woman, despite the fact that she was sold as a maidservant, it's only really the whole point of it is to marry her off. That was the the reason. Yeah, the point is if the father can't support her, then let's marry her off and have somebody else take care of her. That's what marriage meant in those days. And then if the person is not willing to marry her and the son is not willing to marry her, That's then this last person comes in. Uh, if he does not do these three things, if he goes free without money. So the, the three things are, are kind of, this makhloket. According to the Pashtanim, according to the simple readers of the text, it means if he does not these, do these three things, meaning if the son who ends up marrying her or if the father who marries her, does not provide her her clothing, or does not provide her her food, or does not give her the conjugal rights, then she goes for free and they, they don't even need to be redeemed. She just walks out of the house. But a question. About That's a she, peshat. Yeah, but she, but she probably I mean, lost her virginity because she was... No, she because this is only married. happening when she's young. Oh, okay, okay. They're selling her when she's young. Okay. The second she's older, she can't be sold. Once, once she, once she develops the signs of a woman, that's it, that's the reason. Yeah, then she can't uh, be sold it. anymore. I got it, I got it. So it's a very limited amount of time that we're talking here. We're talking about a father who's in distress. He can't support his daughter. 
But if the daughter is too old already, he's not allowed to sell her. And in this case, he's selling her. They can become a toy of uh, enjoyment, unfortunately. Right. I I don't. I don't. Respect. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know exactly all of the details, but but that seems to be what we're talking about. Now, the other opinion for what does it mean? That if he does not do these three things, that he sends her out for free. So, uh, the peshat is that. It's referring to those three items, the, the obligations he has towards a wife. Meaning, if he cannot treat her like a wife, she goes free. The Midrash, Rashi, and also in the Gemara, says that it's actually referring to if he does not marry her himself, or if he does not designate her, his son, her to son, his son, son yes. or I think the third one is, and if he does not find her a buyer to redeem her, then she goes free without pay. Meaning, the whole point is to say that if he does not take her as the wife, then, or if the son does not take her as a wife, then she goes free. They, they have to, you have to designate her. Okay. Next, Sugim. Uh, that was a difficult one. That was actually a, a yes. tough one to understand. Okay. There's a lot of midrash on the, on the, because he says the maid servant. Maid servant, but in reality, it's not a maid servant. In reality, yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's. Uh, That's what I was saying. We, we get. Like, we get getting married. That's the, it. the unfortunate thing is that the Torah, I mean, it's actually pretty fortunate because I think the Torah does it on purpose. It doesn't have a word for slave because we don't have a concept of a slave. We have a salaried employee whose payment comes through food and lodging. That's a that's a an evid, you know. It's not a derogatory thing. It's not like the person is obviously it's a little bit of lower class in society, but he's not a slave in the modern sense. But we don't have a word for slave. And then the maid servant, there's no slave woman. Maid servant, you know. Okay, pasuk. 12. If a person strikes another man and the man dies, then the person who struck must die. That's kind of like a, just a principle, right? Yes. That, that's not, it's not a chidush to us, because we've seen that already in the Noah, right? That by Noah, who said, if somebody spills blood, then by man he must be, he must be also, his blood must be spilled. But this, this pasuk is kind of just introducing the next law. Because although when, you ki- when a person kills and the person dies, yes, obviously he's, uh, he's liable. Yeah, now what happens, how, in which comp- in which- it depends on the context. Yes. Now what happens, but let's say the person did not plan it and God just accidentally, ma- accidentally made it happen. Then there shall be a place to which you shall run. It's beautiful that you say that God caused it. That means... Very interesting. Oh, oh, it's a very good point. You, yeah, you're, you're catching it. Yes, the pasuk says. Let's translate the pasuk so yeah, people know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and if the man lie not in wait, but God caused it to come to hand, then I will appoint thee a place whither he may flee. So let me read for you the note he writes here because he he writes it very nicely. Yeah. The modern mind, whilst agreeing that all things are ultimately controlled by God's will, does not attribute results to the immediate action of God. Not so the biblical idiom. Nothing happens except by God's will. So if the murderer had no intention of killing his victim, the death must still be due to God's decree. English law retains the same idea and uses the term act of God for things that happen that are accidental. Right? So it's a... it's the way the Torah speaks right? Beautiful. We don't see it In our modern mind We don't see that Accidental murder Is happening from God Accidental death Is happening from God But that's the, the language Of the Torah so Everything the one, is happening The one who was involved in it, that is not, not the one who passed away But the one who was involved He probably did the, uh, He did the, 
he did something bad that Hashem. That's what the Gemara says. Yes. So you could look in Gemara Makot, yeah, and, and it discusses the case of let's say, um, what's the case? I think it's a person one kill one person killed by accident, and one person killed on purpose. So, and then the person who killed by accident, nobody caught him, so he didn't run to the Irmiklat. And the person who killed on purpose, nobody caught him, so he wasn't killed. So one day, those two people, the one who killed by accident is going to be going up on a ladder. And then the person who's, who had killed on purpose is holding the ladder. The person who's going up on the ladder is going to fall by accident, is going to fall, he's going to slip, fall on the person who will catch his fall. The person who uh, catches his fall dies. And the person who fell from the ladder, now he has to run to Irmiklat. And the Gemara says that's a typical way of how God will, will bring retribution. Now, does it always work that simply? Obviously not. It's not that simple. But the idea is, and everything happens from God. I think that's yes. the message of the Gemara there. Okay? Now, if a person intentionally goes upon his brother, upon his friend, or upon his fellow, to strike him with deceit, meaning to try to kill him, but in like secret. You take him even from my altar, you take him to die. So in the first pasuk we have, you kill a person by accident, then there will be a place for you to hide. But if you kill a person on purpose, then even the place that you thought was most relevant for you to hide, even the altar, you will, allow, you will be killed at that place. Very, you cannot run away. Yeah, if you look you in uh, the away. beginning of Sefer Milachim, someone tried this. Yoav, the previous general of David, who was always a very quasi figure, Yoav ran away. Shalomo was told by David to kill Yoav. So Shalomo tells his general Benayahu, go kill Yoav. Yoav hears that, that Benayahu is coming after him to kill him. So Yoav goes and he runs to the altar. He runs to the Mizbeach, which was probably, where, where was it at the time? Probably in Shiloh. I don't know where it was. Okay? So then. Yoav is standing there by the altar, by the Mizbeach, and, and then Benayahu comes, and uh, he says, please, leave the altar. And then he says, no, I'm not going to leave the altar, you're going to kill me. And then he's like, he's like, so what? Your life is over, just leave the altar. So then he goes and he asks Shalomo, and Shalomo says, no, kill him, kill him even at the altar. And Benayahu goes and he kills him right by the altar. He kills Yoav by the altar. Which means, what is the message then being sent, that while the, these places have sanctity, the justice of Borei Olam is the holiest thing. Right? So even if it's... Meaning, we don't see the death as something inherently flawed. We see justice as the most noble goal. Okay? So, in, in one pasuk... Now, notice it doesn't say where the person can run. It doesn't say that you, you shall establish these three cities as Irmiklat and the, these three cities on the opposite side of the Jordan none of that because we're still not near Eretz Israel so it's not relevant right, to go into details of the law of, of where the city the, the is but it's come. just the concept now that Bnei have to learn that there must be a concept where people who kill by accident should not have they, they must have a place to run yes, they not, run there and then they have to study and they have to pray and they right, have to yeah, wait yeah, the, the Kuen yeah. Gadol the Kuen yeah, Gadol <laughs> exactly okay Umakea vive imo montumat somebody who strikes his father or his mother must die. The person who curses his father and mother is put to death. So in terms of the law of striking, it must, they, must have, they must create a bruise. If they create a bruise, like a black and blue mark, then, then they're obligated. If they do not create a blue, bruise, then it's a huge avon, but it's not, it's not worthy of the death penalty. And with cursing the father and mother, according to the halakha, it's only if they use the name of God. Wow. 
But if they don't use the name of God, then it's not considered a curse enough that the, they are put to death for that. Okay, let's pause there. Continue Bezor Hashem tomorrow. Um, yeah, we've done like three more halachot. Look, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep attacking the halachot and hopefully we'll get faster. Yeah, but you didn't even get to finish the, the first. Wow. There is so much. There is a lot. So this, is a, this is a long parasha. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, but it's also it's a slower process to read these yes. than to read the storylines that we yes. were doing before. Yes. Yes. So we'll see. We'll do we'll do our best. Each single yeah, each thing requires you to focus on understand because, what it's talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's very interesting. All right, Baruch Adonai Lola. Amen.